0: up in 2nd Samuel chapter 9 verse 1. And David said, is there still anyone left in the house of Saul that I may show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Never forgot a loyal friend. And now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, and they called him to David, and the king said to him, "Are you Ziba?" He said, "I am your servant." And the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? That I may show the kindness of God to him. Now there's the truth. So we ask the question, Do we show God's kindness to people? Zeba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. And the king said to him, Where is he? And he said to the king, He is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel at Lodeber. Then the king David sent and brought him from the house of Machir, the son of Amiel at Lodeber. And Mephibosheth, what a name, Mephibosheth. The son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth? He answered, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear. For I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan, and I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. And he paid homage and said, What is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? Then the king called Zeba, Saul's servant and said to him, All that belonged to Saul and all his house I have given to your master's grandson. And you and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him. And to bring in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. Now Ziba had fifteen sons and twenty servants. Then Ziba said to the king, According to all that my lord the king commands his servant, so will your servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a son whose name was Micah. And all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he always ate at the king's table. Now he was lame in both his feet. After this, the king of the Ammonites died, and Hanun, his son, reigned in his place. And David said, I will deal loyally with Hanun, the son of Nahash, as his father dealt loyally with me. All right, so loyalty flows to the next generation. You know, this is something I've learned from Doctor Cho. You know, there are times I've looked and I I see some preachers' kids, and their fathers are long dead. So these preachers' kids are even older than me. And I've seen Doctor Cho show loyalty to these guys, and you know, you know these guys aren't even living right. And you look at it and you go, for the sake of his father, Doctor Cho is showing loyalty to the next generation. I like that. That's the heart of David. So David sent his servants to console him concerning his father. And David's servant came to the land of the Ammonites. But the princes of the Ammonites said to Hanun their lord, Do you think because David has sent comforters to you that he's honoring your father? Has not David sent his servants to you to search the city and to spy on it and to overthrow it? Why? All right, so you know how um, Rehoboam, Had some bad friends that advised him. Okay, this is second generation bad advisors. Just like Rehoboam had his friends that gave him bad advice, Hanun also had bad advisors, his friends. Notice, these were the princes. These these weren't the people of his father's generation. Now, Now, young people, listen to me on this. When young, listen to the older generation. You say, well, Pastor, you say that because you're, you're 64 years old now. No, I've done that all my life. One of the reasons God has helped me be successful is because I've listened to the previous generation. When, when you, you listen to people who don't know anything more than you do, you're a fool. When you listen to people who have had some life experience you're wise. So Hanun took David's servants and shaved off half the beard of each and cut off their garments in the middle of the hips and sent them away. When it was told David, he sent to meet them, for the men were greatly ashamed. And the king said, Remain at Jericho until your beards have grown and then return. When the Ammonites saw the hip become a stench to David, the Ammonites sent and hired the Syrians of Beth and the Syrians of Zobah, twenty thousand foot soldiers, and the king of Maacah with 1,000 men and the men of Tob, 12,000 men. And when David had heard of it, he sent Job and all the host of the mighty men. Now notice, this is the greatest fighters. These were David's mighty men. Okay? And all the host of the mighty men. This was like this large elite force that destroyed armies by themselves. And the Ammonites came up and drew in battle array at the entrance of the gate, and the Syrians of Zobah and Rohab and the men of Tob and Machah were by themselves in the open country. When Joab saw that the battle was set against him in front and in the rear, he chose some of the best men of Israel and arrayed them against the Syrians, probably these mighty men. The rest of the men he put in the charge of Abishai, his brother, and he arrayed them against the Ammonites. And he said, if the Syrians are too strong for me, then you shall help me. But if the Ammonites are too strong for you, then I will come and help you. Be of good courage. And let us be courageous for our people and for the cities of our God. And may the Lord do what seems good to him. So Joab and the people who were with him drew near to battle against the Syrians, and they fled before them. And when the Ammonites saw that the Syrians fled, they likewise fled before Abishah and entered the city. Then Joab returned from fighting against the Ammonites and came to Jerusalem. But when the Syrians saw that they had been defeated by Israel, they gathered themselves together. And Hadadezer sent and brought out the Syrians who were beyond the Euphrates. And they came to Hilam with Shobach, the commander of the army of Hadadezer, at their head. And when it was told, David, he gathered all of Israel together and crossed the Jordan and came to Hilam. And the Syrians arrayed themselves against David and fought with him. And the Syrians fled before Israel. And David killed of the Syrians of the men 700 chariots, 40,000 horsemen, and wounded Shobak, the commander of their army, so that he died there. When all the kings who were servants of Hadadezer saw that they had been defeated by Israel, they made peace with Israel and became subject to them. So the Syrians were afraid to save the Ammonites anymore, okay? Um, no more helping. They got, they got beat royally. But I want you to notice, when it was a smaller army, David sent Joab. He sent Joab, all right? Now, when he has a greater army, David gathers all of Israel together. So, the size of battle... determines involvement. David knew how to delegate authority. A smaller battle, he let Joab go do this. Big battle. It's time for David to get out there and lead all the men himself. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship. Our New Testament passage today picks up in John chapter 18, beginning with verse 25. Now we are in the courtyard of Caiaphas' house. Peter has already denied Jesus once. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, you are not one of his disciples, are you? And he denied it. So there's number two. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man who whose ear Peter had cut off. Did I not see you in the garden with him? Again, Peter denied it. That's three, and at once the rooster crowed. Now, you know, this man, he knows who cut off the ear. Okay, he he's seen some things today. Then they led Jesus from the house of the Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning okay so we've had peter's denial he's run out crying um he's gone down into the dungeon for the rest of the night they went back to their homes and now it's early morning they themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled but could eat the passover now notice they're concerned about being defiled entering a gentile's house but they don't mind murdering an innocent man wow So Pilate went outside to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, if this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Okay. (laughs) That is not an answer. Trust us. He's a bad guy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, right. (laughs) Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said, it's not lawful for us to put anyone to death. All right. So here's, (laughs) <laughs> we need you we need you to kill him it's not lawful for us to put him to death this was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die so Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him are you the king of the Jews and Jesus answered did you say this of your own accord Or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. Now notice, delivered over to the Jews, not to you, to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Wow. That one you just got to go wow to. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Pilate answered, Jesus answered, So you say that I am a king? For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world. What? To be king. To bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate said to him, what, what is truth? Now, the word here for truth is reality. What is reality? I mean, you're, you're dealing with a soldier. You're dealing with a man who's watched bloodshed in horrible carnage that you and I cannot imagine. And then he gets around these Jews that, forgive me, they won't come into his house because they'll be unclean, but they'll murder an innocent man. I mean, Pilate's got to be going, you know, these people are nuts. He said, what's real? After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. But you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews. And they cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Do you want a robber? Or do you want Messiah? They chose a robber. Bad choices. Now brothers and sisters, in life, life is a series of choices. Do you want Jesus or do you want something far less? That's a question you have to ask yourself constantly every day. Every day, the the same question is being asked to us all day, every day. Who do you want? Jesus or do you want that sin? Jesus or that adultery? Jesus or that drunkenness? Jesus are those sinful friends that will walk away from you tomorrow. What do you want? Always choose Jesus. All right. Let's get for some wisdom today into the book of Proverbs chapter 25. Proverbs 25. There's great truth here for us today. Like cold water to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. Have you ever been really hot? Like Right now it's really, really hot. And if you notice how good, just cold water. I mean, forget Coke, forget a, forget a frappuccino. Just nice, cold water. Lots of ice cubes. <laughs> Forgive me, I like lots of ice cubes. My wife, my wife laughs at me, but I love lots of ice cubes. Like cold water to a thirsty soul. So is good news from a far country. Like a muddied spring or a polluted fountain. Is a righteous man who gives way before the wicked. A muddied spring or polluted fountain. Is a righteous man who gives way before the wicked. Wow. When you back up from wickedness. Never back up. From wickedness. because you're like a muddied spring, you're a polluted fountain. In other words, people went to you. They went for hope, they went for water, and they found none. Now, some of you, you've grown up your whole life in the city, so you won't get this, but some of you, like me, you spent years of your life in the province. Have you ever been really thirsty? And you know, they got these nice springs that just come out of the ground. And if you're out in, in the working in the woods and things, you and you're thirsty, you know. In the old days, there was no bottled water. You, <laughs> there was no bottled water. You you cupped your hands, you found a, a spring, and you cupped your hands together, and you you drank out of the ground, you drank out of the spring, or what was coming out of the rocks, and it was good and sweet water. But have you ever gone to do that, and you you, you put it up, and you begin to smell it, and you immediately go, whoa. I I shouldn't drink that. Just from the smell as you got it close to your mouth. That's that's like a righteous man who gives way before the wicked. You go there looking for hope, and immediately you're repelled by it. It is not good to eat too much honey, (laughs) nor is it glorious to seek one's own glory. All right. It's not good to eat too much honey. Not too much sweets. Got that? Now, we all like sweets, Diba. It's not good to have too much honey. Now, honey is good, but you can't have too much. It's all right to have a candy bar once in a while. It's all right, all right to have some suman once in a while. But um, not too much or you get too big, diva. Nor is it glorious to seek one's own glory, new living. And it's not good to seek honors for yourself always best just to step back. And if honor is going to come, let it come from someone else. But don't don't go. Don't go seek the title. This is modern marketing. How do we promote you? How do we get you in front of everybody? How, how do we make everybody look up to you? How do we sell you? Well, it's not glorious to seek one's own glory. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. There's no protection. You have to learn in life to have self-control. Yes, use your anger as a tool to control an out of control situation. Yeah, I get that, Jesus did it. But you have to learn to stay in control. Not too happy? Not too angry that you lose control. Not too sad, not too grieving that you lose control. Every emotion can go to the extreme. You have to learn self-control. Because when you don't have self-control, there's no protection in life. Now, young, Young people, listen to me for just a minute. This is the reason why everybody wants you to drink. This is the reason why a guy wants to take his girlfriend out and get her drunk. She's got no more self-control. This is why a businessman wants to take you out and give you a few drinks before you sign contracts. Because you won't read the fine print as well. You've lost self-control. Alcohol reduces your inhibitions. It reduces your self-control. Now, beloved, if you're going to live a long life and be happy in this earth of Jesus tarries, you must learn self-control All right, we're going to stop there today we'll see you tonight as we get back into the book of Romans
1: three great promises of God We'll see it seven